Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. This is Emily, Henley, and Sammy. And you're listening to Too Scary Didn't Watch. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Too Scary Didn't Watch, the horror movie recap podcast for those too scared to watch for themselves. I'm Emily, and that's me. I'm too scared to watch scary movies. I'm Henley, and I'm also too scared to watch scary movies. I'm Sammy, and I like watching scary movies, and I like telling my scaredy cat friends about them. Yay! Yay! (laughs) We love her for it. We love her for it. This is what we do, and we like it. Mm -hmm. And what's up with us? Well, we we all did a thing this week, separately. We did. We watched a movie called Horror Noir, which is a documentary about black horror films. Came out last year, I believe. Directed by Xavier Bergen, um, written by Ashley Blackwell and Danielle Burrows, and based on a book by Robin R. Means Coleman. And it was so interesting and good, and I really loved it. What did you guys think? I really loved it. I cried. I cried in it. Also, I will say, recommended to us by a listener. Yes. At least that's the first time I had heard of it. So thank you so much for that. Um, I have come to love horror so much, even though I don't watch it. <laughs> and I I found myself feeling so um, moved by seeing all these Black filmmakers and actors in the horror genre talk about this, this world that I've come to love. And... Um, Seems like it has been particularly bad <laughs> at representation. Right. Uh, uh, Hollywood in general has been quite bad. But um, yeah, it was fascinating. Yeah, I loved it. It was so compelling. It was an awesome mix of people who were talking in terms of like academics and then a lot of actors and filmmakers who had been um, in these movies. And I think, you know, obviously we live in a society that's kind of built on structural racism and that creeps into every single part of how we live and so of course that's a part of horror movies as well right um and it was really compelling to see that laid out chronologically um yeah yeah i really liked the way that it was structured yeah they start the they start by talking about a birth the birth of the nation birth of a nation which came out in 1915 I've heard about that movie so much in the past few weeks I'd never thought much about it but holy shit yeah what a fucking scary ass fucking movie (laughs) yeah Jesus Christ talk about a horror movie yeah it's fucking terrifying holy shit it's so fucked it's bad but yeah, it's really uh, fascinating how, I mean, we all know this, that cinema in general kind of reflects the times and horror does as mm-hmm. well. And uh, yeah, it just did a really good job kind of yeah taking us through chronologically, like what's happening in history and what's happening in horror films, particularly with black people and how like there's parallels between 
uh, Night of the Living Dead and Martin mm-hmm. Luther King and like all these mm-hmm. things that were just really I just uh, really, really loved it. I thought it was great. And the ending of Night of the Living Dead and how that relates mm. back to Get Out. And oh my God, the, this is one of the parts that made me cry. Jordan Peele talks about his choice for the ending of Get Out. And mm. I guess I'll spoil it. I'm sorry if people haven't seen Get Out. Uh, I guess maybe one day Here's we'll your do warning. it. Spoiler as- alert. It's okay. Spoiler just fast alert. forward. Sp- fast Skip forward. forward like uh, 30 seconds if you don't want to hear what happens at the end of Get Out. Um, that he had originally wanted um, Chris as the character name mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to to go to jail for the cops to show up and for it to really be the cops. And then um, just was like, you know what? we the, the world doesn't need that in this moment. This character doesn't need that. And, and the such a deliberate choice to to like not let him be another black man who is um, put down by the system in that way. And his right. fucking friend gets to come and save him and like how hugely cathartic that was. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that in that movie, uh, one of the, um, I believe she was an author, I don't remember her name, was talking about how what an experience it was to be in the theaters at that movie and having white people root for the black lead and how that happens in reverse all the time. And we never even think, I mean like white right. people never even think about it because that's just what normal is. Right. Um, but how that is really hugely important to, to make that change and maybe very much. I also loved Jordan Peele said how there's no good white people in the movie. Oh, and that really, and that our expectation is like, well, at least there will be one good, but there right, has to be right, one right. good and white person because white people are uses bad. It, he uses it against audiences. Oh yeah. Oh God. It's there so are, good. There are no good white people in that movie. It is true. Um, but yeah, listeners, we just really recommend this documentary um i also loved how it like goes through all the tropes of black black characters in horror like you know there's always the joke of the black guy dies first and it dives into that it dies into dives into like black people being the sacrificial friend and how fucked up that is and 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 how that's like somewhat similar i feel like to the the black character dying first or or the way that right, they die right, cuz it's right. like it's all about them being in service of the white character Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I don't I have never unpacked that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just yeah, it was really, really good. I really like it. And honestly, also, it just made me want to watch all these movies yeah. that I, I I'm like embarrassed to admit, but I hadn't heard of a lot of them. I have, um, I have and- seen quite a few of them, uh, but there were many that I haven't. And yeah, they just all looked so great. And I definitely we added some to our list listeners. So expect some of these, some of these, Attack the Block, Get Out. I don't know. Maybe. Oh, I do love Attack the Block. That was one that I've seen and it fucking rules. Um, <laughs> Candyman. Candyman Candy looks really God, I want to see Candyman. We watched the trailer for the new Candyman, which is also directed by a woman. I didn't realize until I looked it up. Mm. Um, and it looks so good and scary. Very, very, very Ooh, scary. it's going to be scary. Um, yeah, lots of exciting movies on the list now. And um, it does feel like representation is getting better, but we still got a long way to go. And it's it's also just it's so, so, so deeply important. And as a white person, you don't understand it how important it is because we take it for granted because yeah. it's all around us. Yeah. The, yeah. The expectation that that white is normal and anything else is the deviation um, mm-hmm. or like special in some way or different mm-hmm. in some mm-hmm. way. and we're so used to everyone on screen looks like us as white people. Right. Um, and that's just 
not what the world looks like. And another thing that I found so interesting, too, was how it kind of showed how basically and this is something I've been thinking about how white people are so fucking desperate to be the good guy when more times than not, we are the bad guy. And so it's like we're and how that is paralleled in in horror and like Indian burial grounds. And that's where the horror is coming from. Like we're always projecting our horror onto the actual things that are. Yeah. Like why like is there a suburban us? house on top? If that's the, if that's the case, like why is that the, the evil then? Like you built your neighborhood over someone else's land. <laughs> yeah. I um, thought that was fascinating too. Well, and also how we are so deeply influenced by the things that we see and the things that we consume. And from the birth of a nation, it just starts and continues this myth making, right? this myth making about who black people are and how they relate to us, to white people. And like, it's all a fucking myth and it's all a lie. Right. And it's so insane that it's treated like truth. And and we all ingest it. Right. Like ev- yeah. White people, black people, everyone is ingesting this false narrative. Right. And it is so destructive on so many levels. Aside from the fact that it's just fucking false <laughs> and was created intentionally by people to achieve a certain end. Um, and that's exactly why representation on a large scale is so important because it no no group of people are one identity. And so when you only have a handful of things to look at as as seeing yourself on screen, of seeing people who look like you, you feel like your options are limited mm-hmm. or that you can only be those things. And that's just not how any person functions is you're not one set of adjectives. Right. Listeners, watch the doc. It is streaming on Shudder, I guess. Probably not everybody has Shudder. Um, you can do a free trial on Amazon. You can do Prime. a free trial on Amazon and then just, you know, remember to cancel it because Amazon <laughs> doesn't need more of your money, um, <laughs> which is what I did. It's a hour, 20 minutes, brief little thing. Nice, nice doc. Yeah, it goes by really fast. And yeah, we just wanted to highlight some of these great films that I talked about. So this week's film is Eve's Bayou. Um, it was directed by Casey Lemons, written and directed, excuse me, starring Journey Smollett, Megan Good, Lynn Whitfield, Debbie Morgan, and Samuel L. Jackson. Um, and this one's streaming on HBO, so watch this one too. Oh my gosh. Listeners, I will, I highly recommend it. It is not too scary. There's some real life scary elements in it, for sure. That's the scariest for me. That's true. But it's also just like very beautiful and it's like poetic and the cinematography is gorgeous. It's very like slow and thoughtful. Some of the dialogue is just like poetry. And I was like, I'm going to botch this telling because it's like this really beautiful <laughs> film. And I'm just. Hey, guys, don't take Sammy's word for it. Uh, watch the movie yeah, so I'm just going to really encourage you guys to go watch it afterwards because I'm not going to do it justice. But it was great. It's cocktail time, y'all. This week we're doing a Sazerac, which was originally invented in the 19th century in New Orleans. Um, the ingredients you will need are two and a half ounces of rye whiskey, one sugar cube, two dashes Peychaud's bitters, one dash Angostura bitters, absinthe, and a lemon peel. 
In an old-fashioned glass, muddle a sugar cube with a few drops of water. Then add some ice cubes and your two and a half ounces of rye whiskey. Put in the two dashes of Peychaud's bitters and then one dash of Angostura bitters and stir well. In a second glass, roll a few drops of absinthe around the bottom until its inside is thoroughly coated. Pour off the excess. Strain the contents of the first glass into the second and then garnish with a lemon peel. You're all set. Cheers. There's not a ton of trivia on this movie, but basically everything I looked up was saying that this movie is incredible. And um, uh, one weird bit of trivia, and I don't know, I wonder now, Sammy, maybe you have the answer having seen the movie. Casey Lemons, the director, her cut differed very much from the theatrical cut they released. And apparently the theatrical cut eliminated a full main character. Yes. And I will tell you more about it at the end. Okay. Tell us about it at the end. But man, that actor must have been really upset. (laughs) Yeah, that's very unfortunate. Because also it's not like you as a side character, you expect you could get cut. But as a main character, you'd be like, wait, what? I I really was in that movie. Where did I go? (laughs) Um, Yeah, that would be devastating. I watched an interview with her where she said it was devastating all around. She was devastated and it was not she was not happy about that decision Man, that's and she wild. has come to love both versions but yeah the the one that we watched or that i watched uh, is not her original cut can you even see her cut anywhere i'm not sure actually um i don't have any trivia for this sorry guys um i just i i have that it, it, the budget was three million and but we love a budget number it went on mm-hmm. to make 14 million which Ooh. was unexpectedly high, and they say it got quite a boost from Roger Ebert, named it the best film of 1997. And he said he went and saw it, I think, four times in theaters, and he just praised it. He said, if it doesn't get nominated for an Oscar, they're not paying attention. Like, he just it sung its praises so much that it got a big boost at the box office. Did it get nominated for an Oscar? I I honestly I hadn't even heard of this movie. Had you guys heard of this movie? I had not heard of it. No, I had not heard of it. Crazy that a movie can be named like the best movie of the year. I guess only Roger Ebert was saying it, but still, you know, it's him, and never yeah. even heard of it. It did not get nominated for an Oscar, so they obviously. I mean, we know the Oscars are notoriously whitewashed, bad at choosing the right films. <laughs> um not a lot of oscar fans on this podcast no um and then another thing is that journey smollett is the plays eve she's a little girl she's 10 in it um she's so good and her little brother is played by her actual brother kind of fun that is fun they're a whole actor family yeah there's a bunch of them I loved I what has what happened to her? I feel like she was she was just in Birds of Prey. Oh, she was. Mm hmm. Has she been in other things? All I can think of is the movie from um, Schitt's Creek that Moira does. Oh. The crows have eyes or something. <laughs> yeah, the crows have eyes. <laughs> That's what it made me think of. <laughs> that was honestly some really just beautiful storytelling the crows have eyes those crows that episode eyes. where she's um it's perfect what is she, like the crow scientist or something she's a yeah know. she's a scientist who gets like turned into a crow or something i don't know it's a perfect <laughs> show anyway <laughs> 
Memory is a selection of images. Some elusive. Others printed indelibly on the brain. Daddy loves you so much. I know. We'll dance at every party. Each image is like a thread. Each thread woven together to make a tapestry of intricate texture. The summer I killed my father, I was 10 years old. I saw Daddy. What? Daddy and Mrs. Moreau. Don't get lost. What's wrong with her? Oh, she'll be all right. You speak to my wife or dad, and I will kill you. Into the movie. I'm ready. I'm ready. It's the bleakest time of the year, so you know what that means. We deserve to get cozy on the couch, rewatch our favorite TikTok videos, and drink a goddamn glass of wine. If you ever struggle to pick out the right bottle, you will love our next sponsor, Naked Wines. Did you know that when you buy wine today, most of the money goes to things like fancy packaging, big budget marketing campaigns, and tax? That is crazy. Naked Wines is a subscription service that seamlessly connects you to the finest independent winemakers on the planet, so you get a box of the market's best quality wines however often you'd like for a fraction of the price. And hold on to your butts, you guys, because the deal they have for you is insane. Just wait. So how do they do it? Naked Wines connects winemakers and wine drinkers directly, allowing for vineyard-to-door delivery at up to 60% off what you would normally pay in a store. By cutting out the traditional retail middleman costs and markups, winemakers can pass those savings on to you without skimping on quality. I can't stop talking about Naked Wines. I love that their quiz matches you with bottles that you love, and each shipment includes wines they recommend based on your previous ratings. I'm currently loving their organic options, especially the Chris Condos Cabernet from Mendocino County, and they've been around for 10 years, and they fund over 90 independent winemakers. So with no commitments or membership fees, you can enjoy Naked Wines hassle-free. And the best part, every bottle is a passion project from an independent winemaker, so you're literally making an independent winemaker's dream come true. So head to nakedwines.com slash too scary and enter voucher in the top right when you get to the website and put in too scary for both the code and password to get six bottles of wine for just $39.99 with shipping included. That's $100 off and less than $7 per bottle. So that's nakedwines.com slash too scary and use the code and password too scary and grab six bottles for just $39.99. One last time, that's nakedwines.com slash too scary code and password too scary for $100 off your first six bottles. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Um, okay, so we start, we are in Louisiana in the 1960s, really like right off the bat, some like sweeping, beautiful shots, 
and we get a few little black and white kind of quick cuts of some sort of incident happening. We're not sure what kind of stylized. And then we get some VO that says memory is a selection of images, some elusive, others painted indelibly on the brain. I wrote that down because I was like, this be- beautiful. <laughs> and so and then she says, we realize this is our protagonist speaking. She says, the summer I killed my father, I was 10 years old. Great. Damn. Great. What an opening. Great opening so far. Uh, she says her brother was nine. Her sister was 14. And she says the town we lived in was named after a slave. It was said that when General John Paul Batiste was stricken with cholera, his wife was his life was saved by the powerful medicine of an African slave woman called Eve. In return for his life, he freed her and gave her this piece of land by the bayou. Perhaps in gratitude, she bore him 16 children. We are the descendants of Eve and John Paul Batiste. I was named for her. Wow, that's a lot to unpack. Oh, 16 children. That's, yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot of, that's a lot of human life. We cut to, um, it's this big kind of, a big beautiful house. They're having a party. Um, everyone's dancing. We're getting some looks at Eve kind of running around the house. She's 10. She's cute. She's kind of a kind of troublemaker y. And we see her brother, her mom, and her dad. Her dad is um, Samuel L. Jackson. His name's Lewis. Um, the mom is named Roz. Her sister's name is Cicely. And her brother's name is Poe. And there's a woman there named Miss Moreau that is kind of the first person we're getting a cl- close up of. And she's dancing kind of scandalously and kind of turning heads. And everyone's like, ooh, Miss Moreau. Yeah, like she's at it again. There's some comments about her. So this, what year would this have been then when Eve is 10? Um, it's the- sometime in the 60s. I don't think it says the exact year. Oh, okay. So the, the, the flashback is she's a kid in the 60s. Uh, sorry, there's no flashback ever. It, it's she's just talking about the past. Right, right, right. She but we're always seeing. Yes, the 60s. yes, yes. Okay, okay, I see. You could, yeah, okay. Um, and so Eve is kind of watching the goings on at the party. Her dad's getting a little drunk, kind of dancing with Miss Moreau, and then also dancing with his other daughter, Sicily. And Eve looks a little jealous, like she's being left out at this party. No one's really paying attention to her. So she gets a little sad and she goes out into um, kind of a a shed type place. It's kind of looking around in there, finds a little pillow and falls asleep. And um, she wakes up to some noises later on and... Her dad comes in and is uh, with Miss Moreau and they start having sex. Oh, no. Oh. How, old, how old is Miss Monroe around? Uh, Moreau. She uh, they're they're all like probably in the their age. Yeah, in their 40s. For some reason, when you were describing Miss Moreau, I immediately imagined like a 75-year-old woman. So <laughs> the then name, I got The name confused. does sound. It's a different kind of movie. <laughs> but then you said she was dancing scantily, so I don't know why I continued to think that, but whatever. <laughs> Just a 75-year-old minx. 
<laughs> Hell yeah, why not? Yeah, you can be hot forever. I'll be hot forever. I know that. I will be hot forever. <laughs> yeah, we all know that. Probably, guys. we probably thought that Henley because you know that we're all going to be very hot. That's <laughs> <laughs> what it was. You were confusing mm-hmm. her with us in the future. I can't help it. Um. Okay. And Eve, it, it, uh, Journey, uh, Journey Smollett is so good in this. I gotta say, I feel like the '90s were a time where there weren't a ton of great child actors, um, and she is fantastic. So she starts having kind of a full blown. She's frozen and just has a a full blown panic attack, and so he, her father, hears her and turns around, and she's just like. <gasps> And she kind of is apologizing, like, I'm sorry, I, d- I fell asleep. And he's very cool and, like, uh, calms her down. And he's like, it's okay, it's okay. Like, don't worry. Um, I'll take you up to bed. Like, I was just Ugh. out here trying to help Miss Moreau find something. Kind of, you know. Pretending like it didn't happen. Yeah. Miss Moreau kind of gives him some, some, like, a kind of a dirty look. Like, she's annoyed, but... She leaves and he takes Eve out. They they go and sit in front of the house while everyone's still inside have, having their party. And she asks him, "Do you still love mom?" Mm. And he says, "I'll always I'll always love your mom. Um, she's like the most beautiful woman I've ever seen, and uh, like I'll always love you." And she says, "Well, why don't you dance with me? You only dance with Sicily." And he's like, what do you mean? And she's like, every party, like you're all, it's like you're embarrassed of me and you only want to dance with Cicely. Cicely's very beautiful, by the way. She's played by Megan Good. She's stunning. So Cicely, and she's like 14. So she's like, uh, like becoming a woman and dressed like very proper. And so that's kind of the dynamic as she's, she's becoming a woman. Eve is still a, a girl. And so she feels like Cicely's getting all this attention and she's not. And so her dad says like, oh, honey, like, I'll, like, I promise I'll dance with you at every party we have from now on. Oh, she's getting a pretty twisted idea of what love means. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, then uh, the, uh, her mom comes out, Roz, and sends Eve up to bed. And um, Louis, her dad, did a pretty good job kind of comforting her and bringing her back down to i don't know feeling okay about everything and she kind of runs back runs upstairs to go to bed kind of smiling again and goes up to her, her sister they share a room her and her sister and Cicely's getting ready for bed and um when she sees her she's like where have you been she's like oh i fell asleep in the shed and she's like oh my god you were down there forever and then eve bursts into tears and tells her, I saw uh, daddy with Miss Moreau and they were, they were kissing and they were taking each other's clothes off and Cicely gets pissed. She's not at, she gets pissed at Eve and she says, no, you didn't see that. You saw him trying to, you know, help her find something. And it, uh, Casey Lemons does this in a really cool way where she basically takes her back to this to the to where it happened and replays it as she wants her to believe it. So we're seeing Sam we're seeing it all happen again. Mm. And this time it's the story that 
Sicily is telling her. And so there's a lot of this kind of how memory is tricky. And you can kind you can in these instances mm-hmm. or in many instances, like trick yourself into believing something different happened. That's kind of a theme throughout Ooh. is memory. When I think about that, it really it's, starts to drive me crazy. It's scary, it's, right? It is it is really wild how much that is true. Yeah. Yeah. And you can insist upon something having happened, but probably you're wrong. Yeah. Memory is really fallible. And Whew. it's, yeah, it, th- this movie just does a really good job of of showing that in these really poignant ways. Um, it feels suspicious that Cicely reacts this way so quickly and has the exact same lie that the dad has. Right. That's that. Are we immediately suspicious? That this maybe is not the first time this has happened. Right. Yeah. Or does it feel like Cicely's just trying to like defend the dad in like an innocent way? Um, I think it. Not that she's not innocent, but like there's not anything else going on besides right. just her being. I think we kind of get the idea that maybe the dad has not been very careful about hiding this kind of behavior mm-hmm. in the past and so maybe she has told herself these stories before i think that's kind mm. of the idea that we're getting yeah, she, she's really upset to have to she doesn't want her own vision of her father shattered and, and right. that's maybe where the anger is coming from and i think you know doesn't want their parents relationship to be in jeopardy and so i think you do kind of spin stories to preserve your your perfect childhood. It's like you have parents that you want to believe love each other. We all do that in relationships all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. So then, end of the party. Everyone's everyone's going home. We see outside Roz and Lewis saying goodbye to all the guests. Kind of their their two best friends. I think we presume uh, are leaving and one of them is named Harry. It's Harry and his wife. I can't remember the wife's name, but Harry's pretty drunk and demanding to drive. And the wife is like, no, I'm sober. I'll drive. And they get in like a little fist fight, uh, uh, Lewis and Harry, like a, a minor one. Cause he's pretty drunk. But so eventually the wife drives and as they're driving away, uh, Eve is in her bedroom and has a dream that we see the same kind of black and white flashes of images that we saw in the opening, kind of that same style. And we see Harry die in a car accident. And mm. she wakes up in the morning and Harry has died in a car accident. Wow. Wow. So she can. So the implication, obviously, is that she has some kind of like sight Yeah, and I'm so sorry. I messed this up, but um, Harry, the people who were leaving were um, um, Lewis's sister, Aunt Moselle, and her husband was Harry. And so... So it was her uncle who dies. It was her uncle. And Mm. and after this happens, Aunt Moselle comes to stay with them. And we learn that... She now has three husbands that have died. Damn. This was her third husband. Uh-huh. And she is she is very sad and Yeah. Um and she has a a sight also. She is has some psychic abilities and while she is staying with them, she is having customers basically come to the house 
to they pay her to tell them uh, answer questions for them. And she does it by holding their hands and then she'll get visions of whatever they're asking about. So a woman comes and says, I haven't seen my son in so and so long. And she touches her hands and she sees a man doing drugs. And she's like, he's alive. Don't worry. He's alive. Here's he's somewhere here. He's he's on drugs. And the woman is really relieved because she thought he was dead. Which is, we should point out, just a trope that they talk about in horror noir with black characters Mm -hmm. in horror movies and just movies in general of them being like some someone who is wise and can give this kind of supernatural advice to the white protagonist. And voodoo. There is voodoo in here as well. Mm Um, in this, we see some of Eve's relationship with Aunt Moselle and she really looks up to her. They're very close. Um, she kind of admires her and is like peeking in on these sessions that she's having with the clients and really fascinated by it. Is sorry. Quick question. Is Eve aware that, is she at all freaked out that she had a dream that he died and then he did die? Is this the first time it's happened? Do we know? I think she is aware. I don't think she's too freaked out. I don't think it is the first time that it's happened. Okay. Um, but she doesn't seem like she has told anyone really yet. But somewhere in here, they do say like the sight runs in our family, in our blood. Then Eve goes... With her dad, so Lewis is a doctor, and he does house calls and goes house to house checking on patients, and she kind of follows him to each place, um, and on the third patient, it's this beautiful woman who's like, hi, hello, doctor. I was going to say, really, really great excuse for <laughs> a man who was looking for opportunities to <laughs> sleep with women. Yeah. And <laughs> he's w- in the room with Eve, his 10-year-old daughter. And she's like, well, let's go, daddy. And the woman is like, well, doctor, didn't you have that one thing that you could prescribe for me? And oh, God, he's like, oh, that's right. Like give us a second Eve and like closes the door on her. And so he is not being discreet at all. Wow. Quite awful. Why bring your daughter with you? Just don't, just don't bring your daughter with you. And then we see um, Roz and Moselle going on a walk and kind of get the impression that Roz knows what's happening. Uh, You would. You absolutely would. <laughs> he's, he's, At this point, you can tell, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Both your daughters know um, it's literally happening seemingly every day of his life. Um, I think you know. Um, and so they're, they're going on a walk and then they end up at this little kind of marketplace and there's a fortune teller at the marketplace and her and Moselle kind of give each other a look like they don't like each other like they're like competition competing yeah competing fortune tellers type of thing and uh Roz is like I'm gonna do it I'm gonna get my fortune read and she goes wow that's very rude to her sister-in-law yeah she goes up and and the woman tells her in three years time you will be happy again can you imagine a fortune teller telling you that? <laughs> at least it would be validation for the fact that I'm not feeling happy right now. Yeah, I mean, like, she's and not, that I will at some point. She's not. She's not happy. So she's she is correct. 
Um, and then she says, in the meantime, look to your children. And she's like, what the fuck does that mean? She's like, she just like says it a few times, like, look to your children. Like, See, that's when I would then turn to my sister-in-law and go, okay, now you go. <laughs> you do me one better. You tell, what, do you, what, what do you see? I'm getting, I don't know whether I've just like watched too many Law & Order SVU, but I feel like I'm getting like also some creepy like sexual vibes with the do- with the dad and the two daughters. I mean, like, I feel like it's like there's something else going on. I don't feel great on. about it. I don't feel great about him dancing with his pretty daughter. Yeah. Yeah. And so Roz is kind of upset after her reading and it piques Moselle's interest. And Moselle goes to also get a reading. So she sits down and they're kind of giving each other attitude. And the fortune teller says to her, you're a black widow. And the next man you meet will also die. Like every man you <gasps> ever marry is going to die. You're the problem type of thing. Just as like. I mean, oh. I have to say three in a row. <laughs> that is fucked up, though. That is not a nice thing to say to someone else. It's not nice. It's absolutely not. Nice. <laughs> that is not nice. <laughs> it's not a nice thing to say to someone. <laughs> Whether or not it's true, it is certainly unkind. <laughs> Can you imagine if that's how I went around the world, just constantly pointing out the not nice things that people say? It would be I would be relentless. I would not have anything else to do. That's not nice. Well, that wasn't very nice. That wasn't nice. That wasn't very nice. (laughs) Hey, when you're right, you're right. (laughs) Um, So uh, so then she storms off. So now both of them are a little irritated after this interaction. And as she's walking away, Moselle. like pauses and has a vision we get the same quick black and white flashes of a a child being hit by a bus and then she faints and and so after they 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 get her back up they get her back to the house she tells Roz what she saw and Roz is like okay the the woman was telling me look out for my children you just had this vision I'm not taking any chances the children are not allowed to leave the house for the rest of the summer. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. And always the right response. <laughs> because, you know, buses only operate during the summer. Yeah. I mean, I guess it just yeah. is summer. So she's felt she, immediate. Yeah. She's just like everyone's staying in the house right now. And your time is passing. We're getting like, they've been in there for a while now. They're not happy about it. They're, they're throwing fits. Eve starts cussing she's like getting real rambunctious and angry and really tired of being inside there's something i love about the choice of to say cuss instead of curse (laughs) cussing there's something that like is so specific about cussing cussing not cursing like a kid cusses (laughs) i've never thought about that i'm gonna cuss (laughs) like adults don't cuss you can't cuss as an adult that's true I've never thought about that. That's really funny. <laughs> I just she does. She it cusses. Really struck me. She cusses because she's a kid. <laughs> um, and of course, in this time, Lewis is gone a lot. Gone for work l- late into the night. All those evening doctor. Oh, visits. it's constant. It's constant doctor visits. <sighs> this is a night ailed town. This town is so sick. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, okay, so then Eve and Moselle are up in Moselle's room, and Eve is asking about her past husbands, and she says, you know, which I think she asks her, which one did you love the most? <laughs> yeah. And she says, I loved Maynard the most. It's funny to also have an answer to that. I guess they're not children. You would have an answer, right? If you've been married three times, I feel like it's not the same as like... Yeah, that's when you're probably allowed to answer. <laughs> um, but she loved Maynard the most. And then she tells how Maynard died, which is that she was also having an affair. And I think that's actually part of the way this conversation starts. As she says to Eve, like, your father and I aren't so different. He's just not as secretive as I like I was just better at not getting caught so she was having an affair with a man named Hosea then uh, again Casey Lemons does this great thing where they're looking into a mirror and in the mirror we see the flashback play out and so we're seeing at both times in just one shot um, Moselle and Eve like their expressions as they're watching this happen and the thing happen. It's really cool. Cool. And we see that basically Hosea came with a gun to mm. her house and said, I, like, I'm in love with your wife. She's in love with me and we're leaving. And she said in that and he like um, uh, Maynard walks up to him presses his chest against the barrel of the gun and he's like you're gonna have to kill me because she like is my life and i love her more than anything and she was like oh, in that God. in that moment i realized like i loved him the most and i didn't want to oh, go what a bad moment to realize <laughs> yeah. it oh what a bad yeah, moment it's not, Too late. not good um and she she decides to stand by his side and she's like no i'm not leaving with you which i think is not the right move in the in a gun pointed at his chest situation but seems like she made a lot of mistakes here yeah and so mm -hmm. she ends up yeah staying by his side and saying i love him and i'm sorry i'm not leaving him and hosea kills him <gasps> holy shit yeah fuck yikes that's dark yeah um okay and so now the summer is passing they've been cooped up in there for a while and then one morning, Roz is waking, wakes up and is like, where is Sicily? She's not here. She's not here. Oh, no. And freaks out. Um, and Sicily walks in the front door and says very defiantly, like, oh, I went out to town. I crossed the train tracks. I crossed all the streets. And guess what? I'm still alive. <laughs> like she's trying to like prove that the curse isn't real or whatever the visions were, weren't real. And Roz slaps her across the face is like, don't you dare do that to me ever again. Like you're not leaving the house the rest of the summer. <laughs> you're grounded again. <laughs> and uh, But then they have a, a very nice um, chat a bit later where she says, you know, I'm your mom it's my job to protect you. Like, I love you more than anything in the world. And when you were gone, I was so afraid. And I just don't want to lose you. And I know this is, you know, not ideal. And I know it's weird, but I just, like, I just love you so much. And that's why this is happening. 
and and then they hug and it's nice and it's sweet again. So they've they've made amends. Aww. And <laughs> I really like this part. Um, and so, okay, Moselle the whole time is like allowed to come and go as she pleases because she is an adult and she's the one that had the vision. So she's not going to get hit mm-hmm. by a bus. Um, and mm-hmm. so she's walking out doing her errands or whatever. And she hears a bus screech to a halt and hit someone and runs up panicked. Who is that? Sees that it's a little stranger boy and just starts smiling so big and runs home and they all start cheering and dancing. Oh no! (laughs) Wow. It's not even a moment of feeling sad for that little boy that got hit by a bus. It's so funny. That's really funny. And they're just so excited. So they they immediately run outside playing on the grass Everything is back to normal, and we're having a great, great time. <laughs> oh, my God. Sounds fun to me. What a fun <laughs> summer so far. Sounding suspiciously like 2020. <laughs> Locked inside. Nothing bad could mm-hmm. happen to us. Somebody else got hit by a bus. We're fine over here. <laughs> 2020. <laughs> um, so uh, a few days later... Eve goes upstairs. Cicely is in her bed in the daytime, kind of curled up, looking upset. And she goes up to her and she's like, why are you being weird? What are you doing? Like, What's up? And kind of tries to pull her out of bed, like, come play with me type thing. And Cicely's like, leave me alone. Leave me alone. And eventually Eve, I don't, I don't quite understand the mechanics, but Eve finds i guess um a pad Mm. and so she immediately starts like screaming cicely got her period cicely got her period she's like just because you got your period doesn't mean you have to be a big baby now like and and cicely freaks out just wait (laughs) just wait cicely freaks out (laughs) jumps out of bed chases her downstairs chases her into the 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 garden and starts like wailing on her she's got her period she's got her period (laughs) it's not a normal thing it's it is bad periods are tough (laughs) they just are tough we shouldn't act like everything's fine and we're on our periods because things aren't fine no i feel like there should be like time off for periods why isn't there because, because it happen happens to, to, to yeah, it happens to women. That's literally the answer. Because they only happen to women. We should say. Also, they're happening. Yeah, they're happening to fifty percent of the population once a month for a week. It's like happening constantly. It's happening. Happening constantly. It's kind of like never not happening. You like never know how many people in your lives are currently on their period. It's a lot, but it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. All women they, are dealing with it all the time. they have to act like they're not on their periods. They have to act mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And but, so you could easily, quite easily make the argument that women are better at controlling their emotions absolutely. than men are. One could quite easily make that argument, yes. <laughs> quite easily. Quite easily. But here she's letting her emotions fly and she is really ta- taking it out. On her little sister. And Moselle and Roz come running out. What the heck's going on? Pull her off of her. 
And they're like, I don't know what happened. She just lost it. She was she was she was wailing on her. And uh, dad comes home and, and Roz says to him, she started her period and she didn't even tell me. Did she tell you? And he says, no. But he's like, it's OK. Like, it's a normal thing. He's like, I'm a doctor. I'm a real doctor. I promise. I'm 100% a real With doctor. real patients. And that's what I do every day. That's where I am most of the time. Doctoring. For real. <laughs> Being a doctor. He goes up to try to talk to her. What's up? Like, why are did, did you hit your sister? Are you okay? Like, can I get you something? She doesn't want to talk to him. She's like, leave me alone. Don't touch me. And he's like, I can get you a, a, a woman doctor if you would prefer. And I think she says yes. And then later they are having a conversation with her downstairs, mom and dad and Cicely. And I think they actually have they 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 have a, her see a psychiatrist. And whoa, what? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Why? And they say that the doctor told us that you might need some sort of vacation from us. And we would never make you do that. But if that's something that you would like, like, we'll, of course, do that for you. And she's kind of catatonic. She is. OK, excuse me. I, they got I again messed it up. Um, they get a psychiatrist for her because she's she's kind of stopped speaking for, I believe, two weeks. OK, one week longer than a period. <laughs> the math, the math doesn't <laughs> add up. So it is alarming. If you're quiet okay. for just your period, that's fine. <laughs> if sometimes you need to be quiet for the length of your period, <laughs> and that's fine, and we accept that. If it goes beyond that week, well, we're concerned. Yeah. So, so she's okay. So she gets her period. She hits Eve a bunch in the garden. Her dad asks, "Hey, you want a female doctor?" And she's like, "Not speaking." Yeah. And then two weeks go by, and they get her a psychiatrist. Yes. And then they say, hey, maybe you need a vacation from your family, which is code for we're going to put you in a mental hospital. I I don't know. Yeah, maybe. That's what it sounds like. We don't ever see where she goes, but they do take her away. That's interesting. Hmm. I'm not positive, but uh, but it is strange, but it is a voluntary thing. And she says, I want to okay. I want to go. Wonder what she told her therapist. Well, they called it a vacation. That sounds yeah, fun. True. I'll take a vacation from my parents. I'm 14. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yeah, I'll take a vacation from my parents. <laughs> Especially when my mom forced me to stay inside for <laughs> most yeah, of the I summer. Need like, a get break. me out. <laughs> uh, so she decides she's gonna go, and Eve is so upset. So as she's packing her bags. She says she's crying to her. She says, Cicely, tell me what's wrong. Like, what's wrong with you? Why haven't you been talking? Why are you leaving? Like, just tell me what's wrong. And like, she's she's so devastated. And this performance is really, really heartbreaking. And Cicely says something like, um, mom knows about Miss Moreau. Mm. And she says, everybody knows. The whole town knows like it like we're a joke basically and she's upset about it and eve says so you believe me now about what i saw in the shed and cicely says i believed you then too like i knew you were telling the truth oh it's really sad Aww. um 
And she says, well, will you tell me, like, what's going on with you? Like, why have you been so sad? And she says, you remember the night of the party? How um, mom and dad got in that fight? Um, and dad was, like, downstairs drunk by himself. And so I went to go comfort him. And, like, gave, and so now we're seeing, like, it happen. And she goes and is, like, rubbing her dad's shoulders and sits on his lap and then they like kiss on the lips. They get, they've kissed oh. on the lips before, like a peck. And then the dad goes in for a real kiss, oh. and she pulls away and kind of is very startled. And he slaps her, and she falls oh, to the floor. No. And she's describing this to Eve, saying, "You know, he was kissing me and and rubbing me, and then he hit me." And then we go back to um, oh, Eve, no. who is livid, and she's like bubbling with rage, and she's like, "I'll, I'll kill him, Cicely! Like I want to kill him!" And it's really, really intense <laughs> and sad. Oh my god! Um, and then the next morning, Cicely gets taken away in that car, going, going on her vacation. Um, Ugh. and after she leaves, Eve is on the porch with Moselle kind of looking out into the night. And this is a scene where the dialogue is really, really good. And I'm not going to even attempt any of it because it's just it's too beautiful and I don't remember it. But she basically ends the conversation by saying, can you kill someone with voodoo? Mm. She's asking Moselle. Mm hmm. And Moselle kind of raises her eyebrow and she's like, what are you asking? Why are you asking me that? <laughs> but it's kind of making a joke about it. Like, I don't know, maybe you get a voodoo doll. And then she and then she she gets a little more. She sees that Eve is actually kind of is serious. And so then she's like, tell me what's going on. What's going on with you? Why are you asking me this? She says, give me your hands. Like, show me what's happening. And. They, she lays her hands in her palms and immediately Moselle pulls her hands away, kind of looking shocked and is like, fine, mm. keep it to yourself then. Like she can't see. Well, Eve's powerful too. Mm-hmm. But then as she's, as she's kind of turning away, she's like, you can't kill anyone with voodoo. That's ridiculous. I'm like, get that thought out of your head type of thing. Hmm. That means you can definitely kill someone with voodoo. I think voodoo. it means, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is not ridiculous. So then the next day, Eve goes to the same market that they saw the fortune teller at. And um, she runs into Mrs. Moreau's husband, Mr. Moreau. Uh -oh. And mm. he says how they like have a little chat. And he's like, oh, I've been out of town for work so much. And... He, she says she kind of antagonizes him a bit and she says, oh, that must get really lonely. And he's like, yeah, it is lonely sometimes. And she's like, my mom's really lonely, too, a lot of the time. And then she says, not like my dad and not like your wife. They're not lonely that like she she's basically without saying it, being like your wife's fucking my dad. Whoa. <laughs> and then kind of saunters off. And he's, you see the like, 
cogs turning in his head like what the fuck did a 10 year old just tell me my wife's cheating on me (laughs) (laughs) at the market yeah god and then she sees uh the fortune teller woman and goes up to her and says i need your help with something i need your help making a voodoo doll i need to kill somebody (laughs) and the woman's like well do you have money and she has a 20 dollar bill that she stole from her parents and so she's like yep and the lady's like all right great let's go and 20 dollars is all it takes mm -hmm. well everyone else has been paying her one dollar so this is a, a big fee for her Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um and so so they go back to the woman's house and she uh Eve has brought with her a a lock of her father's hair from his comb cuz she knows that that's something that you need. Oh, shit. And she's like, "Okay, um you are you sure? You sure you want to kill this person?" <laughs> And she's like, yep, I'm sure. But she's thinking she's going to get a little voodoo doll. She gives her the hair and then she leaves. She's like, great. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thanks so much. Thank you so much for helping me kill my dad. Hope my dad dies. And thank you. Goodbye. And then that (laughs) night, uh, she has a, a voodoo doll in her bed. And she is stabbing it with a needle over and over And she sees her dad come home, prancing in, not injured at all (laughs) from her voodoo that she's been practicing. And she's really frustrated. And she runs out the door. It's nighttime now. And she runs back to the old woman's house and bangs on the door. And she's like, when are you going to get me that voodoo doll that works? Like, this is uh, like, I need it. And she's like, voodoo doll, like, I'm not making you a voodoo doll. You wanted me to kill someone for you. And she's like, what do you mean? And she's like, I I did a ritual and I buried his hair in the in the river and he'll be dead by tomorrow. And like, Mm. I already did it. And and Eve is so scared. And she says, that's that's not what you were supposed to do. I thought I was going to get a voodoo doll like I was I wanted to to do it. I wanted to be the one. And and uh, where can can I go dig it up? And she's like, you'll never find it. It just was like, I just buried hair somewhere in a river. Like, you're not going to find it. And I just buried some hair. <laughs> what are you trying to get? Girl, what? And <laughs> it's nighttime. You're trying to find hair in the dirt. Come on. <laughs> and Eve is panicked. She's like, oh, fuck how do I basically undo this? And she goes and runs to um, the the town bar and bursts inside and her dad is there with Mrs. Moreau mm. and they're at the bar being handsy with each other. She walks up and says, Dad, we got to go home. Can we go home? Again, Mrs. Moreau is looking really irked. <laughs> This fucking She's head. like, I'm trying to have an affair. I'm trying to have an affair with your twice, father. Twice you've got in the in the way. Okay, twice. <laughs> um and the bartender says, like, I think you're busted, Lewis. And like it's all just a huge funny joke. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, your daughter is seeing you 
cheat on her mom. That is fun for everybody involved. Um, and so eventually, uh, Lewis is like, okay, okay, honey, wait for me outside. I'm going to finish up. I'll be out there in a second. So she goes outside and we see a man walking up the train tracks, kind of a silhouette of a man looking kind of scary. And she looks at him and then he gets closer and she's like, oh, Mr. Moreau. Hi. And he Uh just walks right past her quickly into the bar. And she's like, oh, fuck. Follows him in there. And Mr. Moreau. See, uh, he's still being uh, Lewis is still being very handsy with Mrs. They're all over each other and they like quickly kind of pull away. But also Lewis isn't too. He doesn't look too concerned. He's kind of he's kind of an asshole. We get that, right? Yeah, this guy. Yeah, he doesn't feel nothing is nothing is yeah. hitting him. Nothing's. I would say home. he is unkind. Yes, that's not nice. What he's doing. Mm-hmm. It's not nice what he's doing. And Henley would tell him straight up. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'd say that's not a nice thing to say to someone else. It's not nice. It's not nice. Um, and so, uh, Mr. Moreau walks up to them and says, "Get your hands off my wife. We're going home." Honey, we're going home and you are never seeing each other ever again. And Lewis kind of smirks at him and is like, hey, we're not doing anything, man. Like, just settle down. Like, it's fine. Ew. And he's like, all right, all right. Like, whatever. And closes up his tab or whatever. Uh, they, wa- they walk out and then outside, Mr. Moreau pulls out a gun. And Lewis is with Eve at his side. And he's like, okay, man, like, relax. And he says, if you ever talk to my wife again, I'll kill you. And he's like, okay. And then he says, bye, Mrs. Moreau. (gasps) And he turns around and he shoots him. Oh, my God. And kills him. Wow. What a fucking dumbass. The fucking ego. Yeah. Yeah, just ego. Nothing can touch him. Yep. Okay, so then we go to the funeral and um, Cicely is crying so hard. Um, And it's really tough to watch she eventually has to be carried like what do you call carrying someone she's like carried like a child out of like cradles cradle style yeah like cradle carried it, out of the funeral which i don't know seeing a 14 year old girl carried like a little child was really sad mm. heartbreaking and eve is crying a lot as well and as Cicely is being carried away. Eve glances the other direction and sees the fortune teller woman kind of evil smiling in the background. And then the woman like uh, moves behind another headstone and is out of sight. And we don't know. The The cool thing is we don't know if she cursed him or if it, you know, it. this is something that Eve set into motion. And so it's right. it could it I don't know. It's kind of fun that it's not necessarily 
that she had a curse because also the fortune teller kind of had a little smirk on her face the whole time like maybe she's just fucking with the little girl trying to teach her a lesson by saying that she'll do this curse right but so eve doesn't know what happened and you know may feel responsible well will feel responsible for her father's death for the rest of her life the opening of the movie considering the opening line i killed my father when i was 10 years old um so it's very emotional (laughs) and a few days later eve is in her father's study kind of going through his things and he she finds a letter from him to uh moselle that says i can't believe you would accuse me of such a thing like i'm a lot of things but i'm not that like i'll admit to all of my wrongdoings but here's what happened that night and we go back again as an audience and see Cicely putting her hands on her father's shoulders, giving him a shoulder rub, then going to sit on his lap again. They have one innocent kiss. And then Cicely leans in and tries to kiss her dad. Mm. And then the same thing happens where the dad gets startled and slaps her. And in the letter, he's saying, like, I was drunk and I was so shocked that she was doing that. And I just reacted. And I wish so badly I could go back to that moment and talk to her about the emotions she was feeling and make her feel like it wasn't like she wasn't um, bad for feeling anyway. And we would talk through it. And Eve is reading this letter and storms out of the house with the letter in her hand, goes and finds Cicely, who is sitting in the garden, and screams at her, you lied! You lied! You lied about Daddy! And throws the letter at her and says, this is what happened. And Eve's like, tell me what happened. Like, I just need to know what happened. And Cicely says, I don't know what happened. And Eve says, give me your hands. And... They lay their hands on top of each other and we see a few flashes and we just see the kiss happen and the slap happen and it's not clear who did what and like Cicely's crying and she's like, I really don't know. Like, I don't know what happened. And they um, take the letter and throw it into the river and Cicely is sobbing. And Eve is, like, comforting her, and she's like, it's okay, it's okay. And they're just holding each other. I know, it's so... (laughs) It's so um, heartbreaking. And... Jesus. And then we get another beautiful kind of ending monologue where she says, like others before me, I have the gift of sight, but the truth changes color depending on the light. And then says the the line about memories again. And it ends with them, the sisters holding hands, looking out at the river. And that's the end. Oh, wow. Wow. Oh, that was sad. It's really sad. <laughs> and it is, it is, you know, I left it being like, this isn't, 
it wasn't scary, but it's scary in such a real way. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm. Mem- memory is scary. And I mean, trauma and these Ugh. things that your brain is able to block and, out. And we so deep, deeply want everything to make sense and to find a narrative. And, and yeah, the answer is just, you don't, oh, it doesn't work that way. And Oh, God, I love the choice that even though she has sight, she still can't see the the why, right? She just sees right. those same images that, that we already know are true. Right. Yeah. So the implication, though, is obviously that Sicily told Moselle that this happened. Um, she told her it happened in a certain way. Or Moselle read it through her hands. Yeah, and, and Moselle assumed. could have seen it. Yeah, I guess that's true. Moselle could have seen it. But then wouldn't that just Oh, yeah, confirm? that would negate the ending then. Yeah, no, I think you're probably right. I think she probably did confide in her. But yes, the implication is that Moselle knew about it. She might have seen it at the... Oh, she wasn't at the, oh, she was at the party. She might have seen something from across the party. Right. Yeah, we don't know. We don't know. Mm. Well, I feel like... The way Cicely reacted makes me feel like it was definitely not something she initiated. (laughs) Just the fact that she goes like catatonic for two weeks. Yeah. I don't know. When he was dancing with her and she and also I feel like there was something too, even just in her own brain of being the beautiful, almost woman, older daughter who was praised for that. Right. Well, and I, for it and I grew up without a dad, but that is a thing, right? That like girls love their dads, love their daddies. And that is kind of who you model your partner after. So I don't, I don't know enough about the father daughter relationship to fully speak on it, but I feel like that's kind of a thing that happens, right? Is like you, your first like idea of what a romantic relationship should be is by looking at your parent of the opposite sex and same thing with sons and mothers. Is this too weird? Should I not be saying this? Sammy, <laughs> but I feel like Sammy, this is too weird. <laughs> I feel like that um, is like a psychology no, thing, no, right? I, I think it's that like is a, a psychology one oh one. Yeah. That's like a basic psychology. but also, you know, I think that it's different for every everyone. Yeah. To a certain degree. Yeah. Um <sighs> I just think I think at the end of the day, no matter what, no matter what, there is a problem that in our culture with sexualizing women. Yes. Young girls, girls yes. yes. Who are actually just girls, who are actually just children. And this has been talked about recently because of Chris Delia. And so I feel like I've seen a lot of people talking about this and it has made me fucking mad in my own life, too, of thinking how like the pinnacle of beauty for women is like being looking like a fucking 16 year old and how Mm -hmm. wrong that is. Mm -hmm. It's deeply, deeply fucked up. Yeah. So this movie is scary in the real ways, (laughs) (laughs) but I really do recommend it. And I think it's, it's really beautiful in a lot of ways that I didn't do justice. I mean, I think I talked, I I described them, but there's a, a certain extent that you gotta, you gotta see to experience. It's really, really good. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's I. Louisiana is just like a scary place in general. Anything set in Louisiana, I'm so deeply curious about. 
<laughs> but it's so it's so visually striking. Ooh, that part of the mm-hmm. South with Spanish moss and um, ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah, it's really, really beautiful. I do love it. Um, but to to circle back to the re-edit that happened. So, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Who was the character that was taken out? So I think there was another uncle that was present um, who was originally written. So he was a, I believe, mute uncle. And... Whoa. And he was present in the room <gasps> when the the event oh, happened. Oh, interesting. And what is... Does he give some kind of interpretation of... His experience? No, I, I, I don't totally remember, but the, she described it in that it was originally supposed to be someone was there that knew that could not tell you, could not speak. And then it became that is interesting. And then it became that nobody knew for sure. But the original intent was that someone was mm. supposed to know and that person couldn't tell you. Hmm. Mm. I thought that was pretty. Their silence, interesting. Literally silence, right? Yeah. Whoa! This sounds like one I would watch for sure. It's on HBO Go. Check it out. Not HBO Max. I don't know the or difference. HBO now. If I'm being totally honest with you, I, I I've been too afraid to figure out what either of those mean. <laughs> HBO Max is the one that just came out, and it's you. You have to pay an additional subscription fee for it. Fuck. Um, I really, really enjoyed hearing about this movie, Sammy. Thank you. Yeah. I was very happy to, uh, again, suggested by a listener who suggested horror noir as well. And I'm so happy to have these movies that I hadn't previously heard of to be on our list now. Um, And I hope that movies become a thing again. (laughs) I would love for movies to be a thing again. Man, remember when we all just watched trailers a few weeks ago because we were excited about movies and yeah. they're all movies that we're not going to get to see for a long time. But man, the feeling of watching a trailer was really exciting. <laughs> Ooh, I love uh, movies. Um, someday. But I think I think that's it for us, guys. Um, we love you. We, we love, love you. you. We have. A, I feel like it feels like it's been so long since we've said it, guys. We love you. We love you, listeners. God, we love you so much. You're most. You are. You are in this moment the fucking center of my world. (laughs) Ah, and we'll freaking see you next week. So from all of us, yeah, we'll freaking see you next week. We'll freaking see you there, and we can't wait. And until then, man. (laughs) Until then. Goodbye. Goodbye. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to another episode of Too Scary Didn't Watch. Wanted to give you a heads up that next week we're going to have Betsy Sidaro on again, one of our favorite guests. Um, She will be recapping The Conjuring 2 for us if you want to watch in advance. Um, Also, per usual, if you had a great time, head on over to Apple Podcasts where you can rate and review us. Leave us five stars, hopefully. Um, And also follow us on social media at TSDW Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. All right. Talk to you next week.